Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Dean McClonich. Literally right next to me is Deontay Olive for the Our first time. Our hits are touching. Yeah, for the first time ever. <laughs> uh, that means that this podcast is being done live, and it's pretty great. We're talking into a microphone that is propped up by a mug. To clarify, it is inside of the mug. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess that's technically speaking, but not technically because it actually is inside the mug. Well, buddy, we're ready to to each other for the first time in any of our podcasts. You excited? Yeah. This is gonna be gonna be an interesting. <laughs> we just Sorry. saw the date at which we were I... supposed to record this. It's the minor three months ago. The date that the script was written is June first. Also, you might have noticed if that the intro song is different. It might be, might not be, I don't know. I'll look for it in post. If I can't find it, then yeah, the intro song is different, and it's going to be different, because the intro song was lost with my old computer, so... Sorry, guys, we have no concept of continuity. Anyway. What's the continuity? I have no idea. Me neither. <laughs> We're going to start uh, with ATC, as you probably saw by the video t- the episode title. Uh, we'll kick it off, well, we're just going to be doing United States ATC, because European ACT is complicated, and also I didn't feel like writing a one-hour script on it. Fair enough. <laughs> Alright, so, the U.S. has two different categories of airspace, from what I can, from what I understood. Uh, divided into regulatory airspace, which I think is just where you have commercial and private aircraft... And non-regulatory airspace, which is just places like, it's the fun stuff. It's military operations areas, controlled firing areas, and national security areas, my favorite. Um, Those two categories are then subdivided into four more, four more types, which are controlled airspace, uh, anywhere that ATC is provided to both IFR and VFR flights, uncontrolled airspace, which is basically just ungoverned airspace, uh, you usually see this in rural areas, and there's usually Unicom rules in effect. Special use airspace, which is so mysterious, basically where you have to confine these activities due to their nature, because they're dangerous or whatever, top secret or whatever. And then other airspace, which is military training routes, wildlife and recreational areas, because you don't want to scare off the jaguars, uh, air defense identification zones, and all those things that really just roll off the tongue. That sounds so fun. Um, <laughs> the U.S. airspace is divided into 21 zones, also known as centers, and each zone is divided into sectors. Uh, within each zone are portions of airspace about 50 miles, roughly 80 and a half kilometers. You know, did some quick math on top of my head, don't question it. Um, in diameter. <laughs> on top of your head? It's just a chalkboard on top of your head. Okay, um, they're big in diameter, called TRACON, Terminal Radar Approach Control Airspaces. Uh, within each TRACON airspace are a number of airports, each of which has its own airspace with a 5-mile or 8-kilometer radius. For our friends across the pond. Yep, yep. Um, the Air Traffic Control System, which is run by the Federal Aviation Administration, or the FAA, has been designed around these airspace divisions. The air traffic control system divisions are, and uh, get ready for a lot of acronyms. There, there's a lot of them. Pilots just love their acronyms. Acronym, oh, frick. I'm tired. Uh, you have the Atiskiskiske, which is the air traffic control system command center. Uh, the Atiskiskiske 
or ATS, ATCSCC, is basically the head honcho of ATC. It oversees and is in charge of air traffic control around the United States. Uh, it also manages air traffic control within centers where wherever there's problems, or things like bad weather, traffic overloads, and shutdown runways and stuff like that. Uh, then you have air route traffic control centers, or ARTCCs. Uh, these are ARTCCs. Very fun. Uh, there's one ARTCC for each command center, which are command centers are the aforementioned ATSCCs. Uh, each ARTCC, um, sorry, each ARTCC manages traffic within every part of their own sectors, except for Tracon airspace and local air local airport airspace. Uh, Tracon is pretty self-explanatory. It's terminal radar approach control. Uh, basically, they just handle takeoffs and landings. It's fairly straightforward. These acronyms sound absolutely fun to use imagine having to memorize these and then use them on a daily basis at your job that's why it takes like five years to get no but that's just that is a lot that's a lot um you must be really passionate about your job and yet we're still not done um, next you have air traffic control towers or access to or atcts yes um also pretty self-explanatory. It's it's one of those big concrete towers that's kind of just there at airports. It looms in the distance. It's hard to miss. And the um, exterior speakers play doom music. Yeah, yeah. Um, every airport that has regularly scheduled flights has one of these. Um, that's why, you know, you may not see them very often at rural airports. Uh, towers handle all of the takeoff, landing, and ground traffic. Um, and next, you have flight service stations, or FSS. Um, these provide weather, route, terrain, flight plan, all kinds of information uh, to the pilots flying in and out of small airports and rural areas. Um, it helps pilots in emergencies and is also in charge of most SAR operations for missing planes. SAR being search and rescue. Yes. Um, each facility also has their own set of standard operating procedures, so it changes based on you know where you go. There um, might be crossover. Some might be the same, but that's just yeah. purely coincidence, I think. Um, or maybe the, common sense. I don't yeah, know. yeah. Uh, the movement of aircraft through the various airspace divisions is much like players moving through a zone defense in basketball or football. Um, as an aircraft travels through the given airspace, uh, the, the monitor they'll, they'll pass it, and they'll mon no, they'll monitor it yeah, as you know their name implies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they will pass on information, and you know they'll pass it to other air traffic controllers. Um, They'll give them information like flight plans, level changes, all kind of neat stuff. Ooh. Yeah, sounds ecstatic. <laughs> um, when the plane leaves their division, the air traffic controller there, um, they they will go ahead and pass it off to the controllers responsible in the new division. Very, very exciting. It, but it is really it is basically just zone defense. You're just moving an airplane through it really zones. It is, yeah. I, that's probably the best way I've heard it put. And thanks to a How Stuff Works article for that. That was clever. Um, some light aircraft. So now we're getting into IFR and VFR, the aforementioned. Uh, some light aircraft pilots will fly by vision only, which is also known as visual flight rules or VFR. Pretty self-explanatory. Uh, these pilots are not required by the FAA to file flight plans, and they're not serviced by mainstream ATC. So that's going to be like 
I don't know if it'll be all light aircraft, but definitely things like bush planes and stuff like that. Yeah, that lights. makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, pilots of large commercial flights, you know, like the U737s, A320s, stuff like that, they use instruments to fly because, you know, it's a very big plane. You can't just really look and see everything. Which is all, they also only have windows at like the very front of the plane, which is honestly, oh, it I seems think, like an oversight. I think they should make a plane with like 360 front windows. <laughs> like those like World War II bombers. And, yeah. Just sit in a bubble on top of the airplane and pilot. Or on the bottom. It'd be so cool if you're just in a yeah, gamble chair. Have you heard like the mortality rates of the dudes who are like bubble gunners in World War II? It's yeah, not good. It was bad. It's and, not like, good. If the plane had to land and your bubble couldn't retract, you got scraped off. Yeah. Oh well. Like, you know, that's too bad. On the bottom of a shoe. Yeah. And they had like originally they had like I don't know if it was originally they had electric or hand crank. Well, at one point, either the hand cranks or the electric ones didn't work because it got so cold. And so, like, when the plane came into land, you just wouldn't be, you just have to say your prayers, and you got scraped off. And then, no, I think it was hand cranks for it. And then they got electric ones that could go up and down, and they had hand cranks as a backup. But, yeah. It's pretty crazy. Not a great profession to go into. Also, you had to be tiny. You had to be, like, 5'5 five, five or something. Yeah, I would not fit in one of these bubbles. I would, I would get very claustrophobic yeah. very quickly. Well, that's uh, assuming you'd be able to get into it. <laughs> okay. Uh, like we said, commercial flights use instruments to fly because it's a very big plane. Uh, they can also fly in all kinds of weather because they use instruments to fly. Uh, and because they're so big, they are serviced by mainstream ATC. So they do have to file a flight plan. Uh, I would say probably because they're a bigger potential accident, but I think there's other reasons too, because oh, well, it's a lot more people and there's a lot more of them. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot more that can go catastrophically wrong. <laughs> uh, IFR, Instrument Flight Rules, also have separation standards, which are normally, they're three miles horizontally and a thousand feet vertically, but if the aircraft is classified as a heavy, the fun stuff, like a 747 or an A380, that increases to five miles, or well, five miles and a thousand feet vertically. So, funsies. Vertical stays the same, but you add two miles horizontally. Hmm. Sorry uh, for our friends across the pond. We didn't calculate that to kilometers. I'm pretty sure you can. I think what five k is like three miles. Oh yeah. So no, what five k is so yeah, like three point two something like that. Yeah, so so just add like three miles. miles or five kilometers and That's five. What miles, like one point six kilometers, one point seven kilometers? No, it's more than that. So five miles is like seven. It's eight, like one point seven seven kilometers. kilometers. Mile, yeah. It's like seven kilometers. Yeah, somewhere around. Okay. There. Anyways. Now we're going to cover the super-duper fun main parts of commercial flight, of which there happen to be seven, which is a lucky number, um, although uh, planes through history have proven that is not always true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to list them off real quick and then go into detail about each one. Um, you have pre-flight, takeoff, departure, en route, or on route, whatever you want to call it, um, descent, approach, and landing. Uh, pre-flight includes... Um, Flight checks, pushback from the gate, and taxiing. Takeoff is self-explanatory. Um, departure is when it actually lifts off of the ground and then elevates to its cruising altitude. So it includes the cruising altitude? Yes. So, I, yes. so, so it includes climbing. That's when they get up and they hit that, that comfortable cruising altitude. Mm -hmm. um, 
bend route and descent are also pretty simple and self-explanatory. Uh, the approach is where the pilot kind of aligns the plane with the designated runway. Jeez. Yeah, sounds fun. And the landing is when the plane lands, um, but also includes taxiing and parking. Ooh, my favorite. Um, so to go into a little bit more detail about that, while you're getting in to your flight and preparing for your flight by your dad getting you to the airport at an ungodly hour, like... What, five hours earlier than you really need to they be there? They over-calculate everything. Hey, our flight's at 10. Let's leave at 4. It's It gets ridiculous. Flight us. leaves at 8 p.m. Guess we have to be out of bed and going to the airport at 6 a.m. <laughs> what are we going to do at the airport for 12 hours? You're going to figure it out. You're going to sit in the airport and you're going to like it. Exactly. Exactly my thoughts. Um, Yeah. Your pilot, all the while, is inspecting your plane, both a physical inspection of the outside, not like the doctor physical, like using his eyes physical, um, and they'll run tests in the cockpit, so like the extinguisher systems, the fire alarms, the master alarms, stuff like that, and they will also file a flight plan with the tower. Remember, all IFR flights, which is pretty much any commercial flight, has to file a flight plan, otherwise you're probably going to get your pilot's license taken away. So, uh, they have to file at least 30 minutes before pushback. The pilot will review weather along the route in case they need to make a change because of, I don't know, a hurricane. Uh, they'll plan out their route, and they'll file the plan. Uh, the plan, which is the most important part of any flight, besides the plane, Includes. Yeah, I think I think the plane will probably be the most important part. You know, the plane the plane. Is... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's those little like ground tugs. Those are the most important part of the plane. I mean, you could theoretically take off through the terminal if you had enough speed. Yeah. <laughs> but you also probably wouldn't get there. You'd probably make it to like gate C. You would not make just... it very far. Gate C twenty one. We've arrived about fifty feet from where we started, and the plane is a burning mess. Oh man. Okay. Anyways, um, this neato little flight plan contains the airline name and flight number, which Ooh. is mildly important. The type and model of aircraft and equipment, which I guess is also important. Um, the intended airspeed and cruising altitude, which is really important. Yeah, that's pretty important. And remember separation rules. Yes, you, you are going to need that. Um, and the route of flight, uh, which is, you know, where you're departing from, not from, from, uh, where you'll fly over and where you plan on landing, uh, which is also very important. I would say so. Yeah. Um, all of this fun stuff goes into the airport's air traffic control tower. Which is the big, gray, hulking concrete monolith we talked about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you. In this uh, absolute boss level of a tower, um, someone called a flight data person takes a, a quick little look-see at the weather, the flight plan info, and enters the flight plan into the FAA host computer. Ooh, now, that sounds dangerous. This high-tech database then creates a flight process strip that will be handed off from controller to controller during your flight. With a baton runner. They yes. send a person out that runs faster than Even if that is across state lines, mm -hmm. nobody cares. Run. <laughs> <laughs> 
actually have a SWAT van chasing them the whole time. Oh, fun fact. The origin no. of the marathon. Oh, boy. Here we go. If I get this correct. I, obviously, I'm not stating this is correct because apparently it happened like 2,000 years ago. <laughs> Anyways, um, the story is that I heard is that some Greek guy ran, what was it, like 26 miles as a marathon? 26 point. Too. He ran that to go warn people of like an incam- incoming army, and when he arrived, he died. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember this story. Yeah, so they started holding games and started running that exact distance just to prove that other people could do it and not die. <laughs> <laughs> or in honor of him, but I like my version more. That's so passive aggressive. That's honestly like that's so Greek though. <laughs> that is yes, you're right. That's so Greek. <laughs> um. Uh, anyways, this flight process strip has all of the necessary data previously mentioned for your flight and plane, and is constantly updated as it passes from zone to zone. Um, as your plane is moving to the runway, the ground controller is responsible for all of the ground traffic, which includes aircraft taxiing from the gates um, to runways and vice versa. And the ground tugs, too. The ground tugs use taxiways, too. Meet me. That was spot on. <laughs> Thank you. That was spot on. Um... When I'm going to insert just a sound effect. <laughs> Every time you do a sound effect, it's just going to go ding. <laughs> um, when the ground controller thinks that it is safe. It, note how it, you know, it's not when he knows it's safe. <laughs> it's when he thinks it's safe. <laughs> he guesses. He's like, that plane's probably, what, 50 feet away? <laughs> Good, no. <laughs> no, we're joking. <laughs> we don't put your livelihoods into convicts. We put them into trained professionals. <laughs> so speak for yourself. <laughs> oh boy anyways when they think it's safe they will uh direct your pilot to push back from the gate as your plane taxis to the runway the ground controller watches all of the airport's taxiways and uses ground radar to track all of the aircraft making sure that planes do not hit each other or other ground vehicles which is pretty important because you can't really take off if you don't have a plane Um, The ground controller then talks with your pilot by radio and gives them instructions, like which way to taxi and which runway to go for for takeoff. Um, Once your plane reaches the designated takeoff runway, the ground controller passes off the aforementioned strip to the local controller. And then they pass it on to the baton runner. Just kidding. Who will not die. Can you imagine having to run faster than a plane for 2,000 across water? You have to go to the priest and just, like, say your prayers. Jesus, please let me run across water. Slap on, like, snowshoes lined with, like, rubber or something. (laughs) Just rubber. You water ski (laughs) across the Atlantic just to deliver the flight progress trip. Oh, boy. Alrighty. After that local controller gets the flight progress strip, they'll use their both their eyes and surface radar to make sure the sky is safe, and then they'll give your pilot final clearance for takeoff when it is safe, when they know it's safe, not when they think it's safe. They might think it's safe, I don't know. Some planes go really, really fast. As well as they will provide the new radio frequency for the departure controller, which I don't know if you've heard any cockpit audio, but it's the part where they go like clear for takeoff, three left, departure frequency. <laughs> That's what the captain says when we're about to take off. But inside the cockpit, it's like clear for departure, three left, departure on 121.3, something like that. And that's the frequency they'll turn their radio to so that they can actually talk to the departure controller. Because otherwise people will get very mad that you're not saying where you're going and or if you're taking off. 
things can go very wrong very quickly. I thought that in the span of like 60 years, we went from our first planes to the moon. You know, that was both off topic and related <laughs> at the same time. He used the wrong formula and got the right <laughs> answer. <laughs> oh. Think about it. That's like, that's one lifetime. There's somebody who's like, might have been like a little kid when the first planes flew and they were like in their wow. 70s when oh, the thing landed on the moon. They fought in both they world wars and somebody, and somebody landed on the moon. A decent chunk of the Cold War. The moon landing. <laughs> that is an eventful life. I Great Depression. Yeah, that was... Prohibition. That was a depressing time. Titanic. Titanic was... Yeah, because... No, the first... Fl- oh, yeah. That was no, my actually, yeah. No, they would have lived through all of that. That's pretty crazy. If you lived through all of that, you can send it to our brand new, brand spanking new contact email shameless plug binge thinking contact at gmail.com if you are still alive <laughs> i mean if somebody if somebody out there knows the secrets of their grandmother father please do tell brother i don't know all righty my grandbrother <laughs> my mother had him when she was 18 she had me when she was 54 nope nope that, nope. that man was 36 when i was born <laughs> No. No. I was a freak of nature accident. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, the last safety measure is the pilot himself, herself, themselves. I don't know, it's 2022. Who takes a look at the runway and the sky to make sure that neither are occupied and then throttles up. When the plane leaves the ground, if the plane leaves the ground, the gr- the local controller <laughs> the local controller hands off communication to the departure controller at the Tracon facility. The takeoff report. Some hang on. What does it stand for? I don't know. Terminal radar approach control. See, and this is why you need five years of practice. <laughs> The terminal radar control facility you forgot at the for airport. I don't really care. Terminal radar approach control. You forgot the approach. <laughs> they can just radar their way in here. The Tracon facility at the airport you just left. Uh, that's where the communication will be handed off to because that's where the departure controller is, and they will keep an eye on the plane until it's at least five miles away from the airport. Now, you've taken off. You're en route. The sky is beautiful. Your son slash brother is playing game. They've told you that your brother, <laughs> your grand brother is playing a plane. That's because cool, you, like, you have grandson, granddaughter, grand nieces, uncle. Grand brother is just great uncle. I don't know about that because it's just your grandparents' brother, your great uncle. <laughs> yes. No, that, no, that that would be your uncle. Your uncle would be your grand brother. Oh yeah. I'm gonna call my uncles that from now on. <laughs> grand brother, <Their> grand brother. <laughs> They're gonna think you're insane. Okay, now you're on route. Like I said, the tray tables have been folded down. You've enjoyed your not so fun sized packet of peanuts, and down and down. <laughs> okay, for those who don't know, Deontay's allergic to peanuts. Fatally, <laughs> Deontay shook them out the window, and the plane is taken off. 
so that means there's a transponder in the plane that has been activated by the pilots. This transponder detects incoming radar signals, and it basically sends a signal back that allows the controller to see where your plane is on the radar. It'll give them that blip on the radar. Um, that transponder signal that it sends out has an aircraft's flight number, altitude, airspeed, and destination, so basically everything that's on the flight progress strip. Um, and when it leaves, when your plane leaves that Tracon airspace, the departure controller will pass your plane off to the center controller, which is part of those 21 centers or zones we talked about earlier, uh, which is the ARTC controller, A-R-T-C-C controller. Every time this happens, every time it gets passed off, or, yeah, um, every time control changes controllers, yep, that's right, an updated flight progress strip gets sent to the new controller by way of a telegram. While in flight, your plane gets passed from sector to sector and center to center, and in each of those sectors, or, well, centers, center controllers pass on instructions to the pilots, and your plane may have even changed course from the original plan, so that's why that gets moved from controller to controller, because you might have changed from the plan to avoid weather or turbulence or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Neat. It's very neat. Now we get into the juicy bit. Landing. This is where things can go. This is where you cross your fingers. Catastrophically wrong. And all the white people clap. <laughs> Round of applause for the captain. Anyways, um, one landing, or one descending, um, the plane is at about 50 miles from there. Oh, wow, I said that completely wrong. You said that fast, too. Rewind. Um, when your descending plane is 50 miles or 80 kilometers from the airport it is set to arrive at, it's within the Tracon airspace of Ooh. that airport. Um, an air approach controller talks to your pilot to align it with the approach corridor and adjust speed and altitude for smooth landing, which is definitely the kind that you want. Unless you're flying Spirit Air. Then you will never get it. Um, when you are about 10 miles or 16 kilometers out from the runway, the approach controller passes your plane off to the local controller inside the airport tower. Wow. <laughs> um, the local controller in said tower checks the runways and skies above the runways with binoculars and a surface radar. Um, binoculars and surface radar. I'm sorry, space. Um, <laughs> when they think it's safe, they give the pilots clearance to land. Um, the local controller also watches the weather and other aircraft to make sure you're safe all the way up to your landing. All the way up to the end. I was going to say point. up to and not including. Um, <laughs> not include. At that point, it's just like they flip a coin. Heads or tails? It's up to you at this point, really. <laughs> Heads, you get to land safely. Tails, we direct a plane across the runway. Oh, shame. That little tug. <laughs> <laughs> Once you've landed on your designated runway, the local Hopefully controller... It's a designated runway. Ideally, yeah. <laughs> Not um, the terminals. <laughs> the local controller directs your plane to an exit taxiway, tells your pilot the new radio frequency for the ground controller, and passes your plane off to the ground controller. Fantastic. Yeah. And now you know what it's time for. I am so excited for this time. It is time for the tidbit of the show. Whoa. During the space program, several airports with long enough runways were made into alternate landing sites for the space shuttle. Uh, during launch and re-entry, these airports were closed to commercial activity and sterilized to ensure the shuttle could land there if necessary. See, my previous statement about the moon did kind of loop into this. It was relevant. 
I don't know. Eventually. It only took like 10 minutes for it to get relevant. It's fine. It's then we, Everything's fine. Uh, thank you to our sources. How Stuff Works, Wendover Productions, which sponsor us, please. Just kidding. Uh, and I, mean, literally, I mean, anybody sponsor us. CFNotebook.net and a fellow air traffic controller that I'm not sure if wants to be named, but thank you so much for your help. You know who you are. Uh, thank you, everybody. We will see you hopefully soon. Maybe we'll wait another three months. This will be like a micro-reuse thing. Yeah, th th this is like a... Like, it builds up suspense. Yeah, supply and demand. We need demand. We don't have any. <laughs> Alrighty. Bye, everybody. Toodles. <laughs>